Sunday Surefire Podcast. I'm your host, The Commish. I am joined today by my co-host, Aaron Downtown Brown. Hey, hey. Aaron, another week in the books, my man. Another week closer to the NFL season. Another week of fun off-season action to discuss. What, uh, what are you up to these days? What's going on, my man? Where are we on the NFL landscape? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, thank, thank God for Sleeper's um, countdown tool because uh, I love being able to see, you know, our, our countdown days to when our draft is. Obviously, countdown to the days to the NFL draft, but, you know, we usually like to draft, you know, pretty shortly afterwards. So um, very hyped up for that. Um, always got to kind of keep up, you know, with what the news we've been talking about the last couple episodes with trades and signings and whatnot, kind of winding down a little bit, but there's still some big names out there. Um, and some rumors we're, we're hearing about that definitely, uh, you know, worth keeping track of. So it's going to spark some, some interest, I think though. So that's my thoughts. What, what do you think? Yeah, it's, uh, never a dull moment on the, on the dynasty landscape for sure. I love the countdowns you were referencing on sleeper, especially being in a number of different dynasty leagues on that platform. When you open the app, the first thing you see is that countdown to your league's draft coming up and, you know, it feels like the season ends and there's like a hundred days to your draft and just like miserable and you got to wait forever. And now we're down to like 40 some odd days in some of these leagues. So the off season does go by really fast. So that's why it's important to be paying attention. Very important to following our podcast as well. Cause so you don't miss anything as we're talking current events in the league all the time. And like you mentioned, we've been talking about a lot of off season moves, different trades, different signings coming to a little bit of a halt. As you mentioned, there's still some guys out there. So as the, the high-profile guys trickle in and find new landing spots. We'll make sure we update the listeners on that as well. We just have one piece of news to, to discuss here. Uh, well, we'll do that at the top. Just one notable trade that we thought was worth bringing, bringing up. And then we're going to be diving into an, an overvalued and undervalued segment. So we'll uh, we'll set the table a little bit more on that as, as that segment approaches. But let's get this one news item checked off here. We have Elijah Moore traded to the Cleveland Browns. The deal was Elijah Moore in pick 74 which is a third round selection traded to the Browns for pick 42, which is a second round pick in this upcoming draft. So just off the top, what are your thoughts on the Elijah Moore deal to the Browns? Yeah, I, I love this trade. I think this is great, you know, uh, for more, I think, uh, as we said last week, you know, that Jets room, wide receiver room is kind of crowded. There's even guys we didn't even mention that that's can still make plays too over there with the Jets. So I like him over with the Browns, uh, kind of less competition, speedster, um, you know, kind of opposite of Cooper now. Um, so I really love the trade. I think one of the best takes I, I heard <laughs> so far is from one of our leagues, one of the league members said, um, uh, hey, I think the Jets are making moves to try to get some picks for that, for, for Rodgers, right? So I think that was smart because they got some picks out of it. Um, that's probably very well will be true right they're probably you know they obviously can't don't want to give up any first or anything like that but um yeah i i love that take uh but the the coolest part what they did too is they kind of replenished a speedster with another speedster they got nicole hardman from my from my kansas city Chiefs. so i think you know nothing lost there overall um so i think it was a great move football move but then fantasy wise i love more with the Browns kind of hooking up with uh, with Watson over there. So uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm pretty much in lockstep with everything that you said. I think that's a really good move for the, the reasons you mentioned. Obviously, the Jets receiver room, super crowded. Garrett Wilson, 
Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Corey Davis still kind of waiting in the wings there too. And technically Denzel Mims is still under contract, although I, I'm skeptical as it was if he'll even make the roster. I'm not sure on that, but yeah, it's good for him to get away from that situation, even with Rogers likely coming. I think another big winner in it is outside of just more is also Deshaun Watson. Just gets another, another weapon opposite Amari Cooper to work with. So now you put those two wide receivers, you put David Njoku in there as well. And you kind of have a, a, all of a sudden you have a pretty potent group to, for opposing offenses to deal with, you know, the team is reconstructing their entire offense and everything they do around Watson's skill set. And I think that's going to help. So just adding more weapons into the mix can't hurt that either. They were, have been a really head run heavy team in the past. They kind of, they kind of have, were kind of forced to do that last year as well with Watson missing 11 games due to a suspension. And the team was really in limbo. If you remember last season too, with the uh, not knowing what Watson's actual suspension would be until just a few weeks before the start of the NFL season. So they kind of just had to run with what they were going with in, in, in the past, featuring Nick Chubb in that running game. I think it was, it's gonna, we're going to see a little bit more of a spread offense, and that's going to really uh, pay dividends for guys like Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson and Mari Cooper uh, more and Jogo for fantasy purposes, for sure. And I, I liken Elijah Moore a little bit to a guy that I know is very near and dear to your heart, and we haven't name-dropped him in about a month or so. So we, oh, we're, no. yeah, you know where I'm going. We're, <laughs> oh, we're out. no. You're going to break my heart, I think. But go ahead. Keep yeah, talking. It's, I, I liken Elijah Moore a little bit. If you look at his athletic profile, um, as well as his weight, at least height, uh, Will Fuller is the guy. He's a little taller than Elijah Moore, but I think uh, – <laughs> yeah. Yep, I knew you knew where I was going. That's where I was going. That's exactly where I was going to. I almost brought him up, but I was like, eh, "That's funny, you did it for me." <laughs> I sure did. And I was I was a big Willer Full, Will Fuller guy too. I'm still hanging on to him like a sucker in a couple of dynasty leagues. <laughs> me too. Just hoping that'll he'll come out of nowhere and, and resurface. But I think this move kind of takes him out of the running in Cleveland, at least. But as we remember, Will Fuller, when he was actually on the football field, was a phenomenal fantasy player to have. Um, when catching the passes from Deshaun Watson. So if Moore can kind of slot into that role, he's a speedster, you know, I think he can uh, he can be very viable for fantasy. So we'll see what comes out of that. You know, the only losers, the big losers I had in this trade were uh, guys like David Bell and Donovan Peoples-Jones. I know Captain Carmen was a big David Bell guy coming out of the draft last season. And, uh, you know, they're both just good. They're going to have to compete for the WR3 spot in that team now. And probably the fourth option in the passing game behind Njoku too. You know, if they are going spread, it could open up more three wide receiver sets which could get one or both of them on the field. I think ultimately they're probably going to be juggling, but juggling in and out for that WR3 spot, more so than one just grabbing that spot by the horns. But you never know. We'll see. They both flashed a little bit, especially Peoples-Jones last season. So we'll see how the, how it works out. Um, but, yeah, overall it's a good good thing for fantasy. It kind of bumps up Deshaun Watson's value a tiny bit more, bumps up Elijah Moore's value a tiny bit more as well. So that was the one news item we wanted to discuss. We've been very free agent heavy, so we weren't going to – devote too much time to that so we'll dive right into an over overvalued and undervalued segment here and keep in mind here that for the purposes of this exercise we're using the fantasy pros 2023 dynasty ecr rankings uh which of course stands for expert consensus consensus rankings so feel free to follow along there if you'd like just keep in mind that this this list also reflects a full ppr format when we're bringing up some of these overvalued and undervalued players and i'll start it out here and we're going to start with the overvalued section. And we just talked touched on a guy that you absolutely love, uh, Aaron Brown. We're going to start with a guy <laughs> that I'm not so high on uh, to start out this set, this segment here. And it's Drake London. He's ranked 25th overall, and he's WR14 overall on the list as well. So, you know, admittedly, it's hard to really fully evaluate, evaluate a rookie 
particularly when he had really poor quarterback play. Guys like Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota's of the world, who is a guy that Captain Carmen loves to rip on. So we're just touching all of our bases, I guess, right out of the gate in this episode. But, you know, London's rookie season, it was okay overall. You know, he had 72 receptions, 866 yards and four touchdowns and and a full 17-game season. Made him WR 36 on the year. And in 2022, he actually saw a, a massive target share at least in terms of uh, the Falcons' overall numbers. He, had, he saw 28.2 of Atlanta's targets last season. That was good for third in the league among target share on a team basis. So, you know, up there with the top, top guys in the league. And of the top 20 players in team target share percentage, only two of them were not 25, top 25 producers. So London was one of them, the other being Deontay Johnson, who failed to find the end zone on the season. Uh, so keep in mind here that also Pitts missed half the, half the year as well. So there was no other wide receiver competition, and their next best skill player didn't play really much at all for, for half the season. So there's no guarantee going forward that the Falcons don't add some competition to the wide receiver room. In fact, I'd be shocked if they don't bring in some legit competition to take some targets away from Drake London, just to overall help their offense too. Not, not even so much to take away from London, but you know, you need more than one good competent wide receiver and they don't really have that at the moment. So you have Drake London in there. You'll have Kyle Pitts back to full health. I wouldn't be shocked if they even drafted someone in, in this class to help, to help take some of the heat off of London this year too. And, you know, we, I mentioned the quarterbacks, obviously they weren't very good, but you know, right now Desmond Ritter looks like he's going to be the guy to start the season, barring them going into the draft and selecting one of the top rookies. And even then, it's hard to project exactly what one of these rookie signal callers is going to look like. You know, can these guys support a fantasy weapon or two? You know, if you're still factoring Pitts into the mix, you know, he uh, he and is talented in his own right and demands his own targets. So, you know, another case, you know, for the, for just me being out on London at the, at this cost here is that the price is just too high. You know, I would I want to have a share of Drake London on my team, you know, all, everything else being equal? Of course I would. You know, he's a talented young rookie that a lot of the, the dynasty community is high on. I'm personally not as high on him, but if I need to invest what's right on the borderline of a second and third round pick here, particularly at a startup draft, like I'm I'm just out on him on that price. I'd just rather go in another direction, even if I need to take on a wide receiver who's a little bit longer in the tooth, someone who I know is going to is going to hit in that rate and, and produce for me right away. And I always subscribe to this notion in startup drafts. I like to I just like to make picks where I'm not losing my draft in the first two or three rounds. You know, these aren't the places where I want to get cute. These aren't the places where I want to swing for just upside. I need to have some type of legitimate background in the NFL where these, this guy that I'm taking in this range can produce for me. And we just haven't seen it from a fantasy standpoint with London yet. It's possible that I'll get there, but, you know, I'm not confident taking him uh, at, at that range of drafts. So what are your thoughts on London? Yeah, I think you said a couple good points there where um, I guess I want to comment more on just the strategy side of, london where if you have them most likely you didn't do too well two seasons ago right so you either had an early pick or you know it's dynasty right you can you know you can sometimes stack your teams up so if if you're on the other end of it you got a pretty strong team and london's sitting on on your bench you know there's kind of two different positions right but if you're on the first scenario i, I think i agree with you i think i agree like take them where he still has value in the dynasty world um and i and i would say to see what you can get out of a trade right like uh like you said maybe get an older wide receiver and something right like maybe get a two for one or see see how much you can get from the drake london the 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 young you know wide receiver hype right so i i I think i agree with that now 
if you're on the reverse, the other side of that, um, you know, if you're pretty deep, it's probably worth keeping them. Yeah, in my opinion, maybe, maybe you know, see if it pans out, see if they get a complimentary wide receiver that might boost his numbers. But then, like you said, you know, you said enough to say hey, that might scare some people away, um, you know, showing that, hey, if, if he does get more competition, does that mean just his overall stats are going to drop? So uh, with a fully, you know, pretty much a fully healthy season last year, like you said, he wasn't jumping, <laughs> jumping out of the scoreboard. So um, that's kind of my thoughts. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Trade them. Uh, if you're a rebuilding team, try to just get more assets. I know Captain Carmen says that a lot um, where, you know, think of them as assets. So can you get more assets out of them and get, you know, high value trade? I, I think I do like that approach. But if you're if you're deep, maybe sit on him a little bit and, you know, he may be he may surprise you, Mr. Commission. Sure. And if I have them already on a team, whether I had a good season a couple of years ago or not, I'm not panicking on them. You know, I'm going to sit on them. He is, he does carry a lot of value right now. The 25th overall in ECR is, is a big number. You know, it's the right on that borderline, like I said, of the second and third round. So this was their startup rankings. Like this is a guy that you're building your team around. So that that's really why I'm out on him at that spot is because I just haven't seen enough to to be like, yep, I can build my dynasty team around him going forward. So there's a difference to me if I already have him on, on a dynasty roster versus if I need to take him in this range to uh, you know build my lineup up going forward. So hang on to him. If you want to throw him on the block, do it. Don't feel like you have to move him. Atlanta will get better quarterback play in all likelihood at some point, which could help. But when the war wide receiver talent enters that enters that team enters the mix along with a healthy Kyle Pitts that 28.2 percent target share which again was third in the league last year you know among team individual team target shares like that's gonna go down like no one really gets that 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 metric so just keep that in mind with London he got a ton of target share on his team and was a a back-end WR3 with it which isn't which to me is a little concerning but that that's fine um I'll move on to my second guy and then we'll jump in with your with yours and that's DeAndre Swift who's kind of another High-profile name in the Dynasty community over the last few years. He comes into the list at ECR number 35 overall, good for RB14. And, you know, I can't say this not this, this offseason, but I am all set on DeAndre Swift. I really don't want anything to do with this guy at this point. And I know the pass-catching upside is appealing in PPR leagues. You know, I, I'm not denying that. But the guy really has shown that he can't stay on the field. He's missed 10 games in his first three years in the NFL. And I'm not the only one taking note of that either. It's pretty clear that the Lions have done that with this regime where, you know, they 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 got a guy like Jamal Williams, who was kind of a cast off in Green Bay, who was an okay player, nothing great. Um, and they gave him a, a bigger role in his two years in Detroit. Obviously he had the, the very notable, you know, end zone role. He was punching in touchdowns every week. It seemed like from the one yard line. And so they just weren't comfortable with Swift in that role. And then they go get David Montgomery, who is better than Jamal Williams. Like I don't, he's a better all around back for sure than Jamal Williams. I don't know if he's quite as good at the one yard line, as Jamal Williams, but you know he can do a lot more things in an NFL offense than Jamal Williams, and I don't think that's really up for debate. So they're adding added more a, a real caliber NFL player who can who's shown he can take on a workload himself in the past to this mix. It's not a good thing for Swift. Montgomery can catch the ball as well, and I know Swift comes with that PPR upside that he can catch the ball. You know he's only 24 years old, it's a contract year. There's a lot of things that make you want to believe in Swift one more time. Just kind of say, like, if this is the year he stays healthy, maybe he blows up. But all that thing, I kind of just add all that up, and I'm like, this just feels like a trap with this type of guy where, like, I, if I buy it and all those things, if it doesn't go well for him right now, then we're looking at four straight seasons of him underwhelming versus what we thought he, he was going to be entering the season. 
And he's going to be in a, a new situation next year. I, I find it very hard to believe that if he disappoints again, the Lions are going to give him any type of extension and they're just going to let him walk. So I think the the value could very, very quickly evaporate on DeAndre Swift. And guys like this are very dangerous to buy in Dynasty. So I would just be a little bit buyer beware when it comes to Swift. If you have him, um, maybe throw him on the block and see if you can sell him that name recognition. Uh, but 35th overall, that's also a third round startup pick. So you know, it's back end, but still I'm not, I'm not super confident about, about taking a guy like Swift there. Um, if I did, I'd probably want to back it up with more suitable NFL talent further down my board, but that's, that's, uh, that's what I have on Swift. Are you in, are you uh, in agreement or are you going to go the other way on this one? Swift is kind of weird to me. Um, I think, I think Swift's just going to stay where he's at on most fantasy teams, to be honest. Like, if you have them, you probably are not willing to give them up for, you know, value that you either, you know, drafted them at or, you know, you traded the picks to get to draft them a couple years ago or, you know, you traded them, <laughs> uh, traded them after, you know, after his uh, rookie season. So most managers are not going to be willing to even train them because they're going to be too upset. So I think most managers are probably going to keep sitting on them to be honest. Um, now, if you're a manager that wants to get Swift, um, I would say like, yeah, if you could find a manager that wants to just dump them, dump them because they're just had enough with them. Uh, you may be able to luck out with a trade, but I don't see it happening. I think you're just, I honestly, I think he's just going to be a stalemate for a while. Um, or he gets, he just, he's probably going to get worked into trades like with other players. Right. Or you may just, you know, if you want to get a high-profile player, maybe you you have a player plus Swift to get them right. So, it's an interesting. He's an interesting guy. But um, if you're in it for the long long haul, um, it's it's intriguing. You know, I, I do like talent. You know, it does show. I do think that Swift is not a total bust, right? Because when he's out on the field and healthy, he's made some nice plays, flashy plays, nice scores. Even towards the end of the year, when when Williams was scoring, you know, Swift does show that he can be on the football field. Um, but like you said, it's just being healthy. You know, that's that's a big part of it. And um, I just, you know, I just think when it's just talking value, I just know, don't know what trades are out there unless you're trying to get some two-for-ones or something. That's the only thing I can see. But, yeah, um, that's kind of my thoughts on on Swift. And the last point I'll make on Swift before we move on to your to your player in this category is, He's a guy. I, if his if his ADP drops a little bit in in redraft formats, I might be willing to take a shot on him there, particularly full PPR formats, because obviously redraft is if it's not like a big keeper format, then I'm okay with taking injury risks in the in those formats because if it blows up, like yeah, his dynasty value will be shot, but I get to throw my throw my redraft team back next year anyway, so I am a little bit more. I'm not quite as risk averse in those formats where I, I will take mm. an injury prone guy and just kind of hope that that this is the year that he stays healthy because I only need him for four months. I don't need him for four more years. So, right. I totally agree with that actually. Yeah. I think he's more, he could be a nice redraft player, especially Montgomery gets hurt. They have a nice fill in, you know, barring he stays healthy as well. So I, I agree with that on the redraft uh, spectrum or even best ball too. He could be a best ball guy. I'm a little more scared in best ball with the injuries just where if he just is hurt and he's just missing time, he's giving you zeros every week. But you know, if you're draft, if you draft deep running backs, if you like a deep running back pool in your best balls strategy, then I can see him being a, a guy that you go to in, in that format. 
All right. So um, now the first guy, your, your favorite Drake London guy, is kind of it's funny. That's more of a segue. I wish kind of you, you said him the other order, but it's OK. Um, my first guy, um, actually, let, let me back up a little bit. So when I looked at uh, the Dynasty Pros, what I what I wanted to do here is I kind of categorized them by position. I and I wanted to pick a wide receiver, a running back and a quarterback. Right. So I I looked and I, I kind of looked at what was their top 25. Uh, dynasty rankings and I kind of just look for outliers and um, two of my guys have a really wide spectrum because it kind of gives them like the best value um, out of some some rankings that they came up with and the worst value so two of my guys have um, huge like the range is ridiculous right so this guy before I say his name his best value on on rankings for wide receivers was uh 15 right at um right at wide receiver 15 and his worst was 30 so i found that kind of interesting and i looked more into it and and that's kind of why i want to talk about him so i picked uh chris godwin actually um on the dynasty pros ranking they got him at at 17 um it is uh he's age 27 so um i think we've talked about it in the past where um you know he's kind of in his prime right you know he's kind of shown he's got seasons he can um you know the three out of the four last seasons he's won over a thousand yards with a 1300 yard season in there as well um talking talent you know he's a 4-4 guy he's still a speedster and what that translates to is he can you know we've seen him he can run almost any route like you you can line him up in the slot you can line him up outside um so i think he's going to be involved with any offense yes we i know that Brady's departing and their their answer right now um uh is Baker right in Tampa Bay but um is that the long-term solve in Tampa Bay I don't think so I think they're 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 still in the hunt uh to get, to be competitive so will Baker be the the starting quarterback uh come come the season opener I'm not sure but I still I still like taking uh talent here with Chris Godwin so um I think that range is too crazy. I, you know, talking about guys like Drake Lund London, I, I think I'd like uh, Chris Godwin over Drake London. Um, I think you mentioned, you know, maybe, maybe having a guy a little bit uh, longer in the, the tooth, like you said, like you like to say over London. So uh, I was going to ask you, would you like Godwin over London? But I think I know your answer. <laughs> um, I'll go to the next guy. Would you like Devonte Smith um, over Chris Godwin? Now that that's what I wanted to pick. It could be on the fence. Um, I'm going to give you my answer. I'll, I'll, I'll let you choose between the two. But um, I I see Tampa Bay for the next two to three years being a pass-happy uh, offense. You know, Philadelphia Philadelphia's run heavy. Um, Smith has nice nice blow-up weeks, but it's not as consistent, right? You got A.J. Brown over there. You got a run-heavy offense as well. I think Godwin, especially in PPR, um, I love Godwin because he's going to get his targets, his receptions. Uh, he he, he – can find the end zone. We haven't seen a huge season, you know, um, over over eight touchdowns in in a year. But that's just, um, you know, that that could be coming. Um, but yeah, I I actually do like Godwin. Um, I would actually value him a little bit higher than than top uh, seventeen. And looking at that range being from thirty, I certainly would not rank him down in the thirties. So. Um, He's one I wanted to point out where it just seems when I when I saw that big of a range, it's like, okay, a lot of people don't know where to uh, rank this dude, and I'm going to give him a little more props than it seems like uh, what he's getting. Okay, so, you, so you're, I think he's a little undervalued at 36 overall. 
WRC. Yes. Yep. Okay. I say he's undervalued. Okay. I actually would put him in the, a slight, slightly overvalued in that spot, personally. Um, just kind of looking at some of the guys around him, you know, DJ Moore, Debo Samuel coming right behind him. I think I'd rather take both of those guys instead of him. I would prefer Devonta Smith. Um, I'm pretty low on Drake London, so I actually probably would take Chris Goblin instead of Drake London, as uh, you <laughs> could probably imagine. Um, just a couple of hit points on Goblin real fast. Um, I don't see this offense being any more pass happy than it's been, particularly last season, where they are actually number one in the league with 45 pass attempts per game. That was three and a half more than the next closest team at number two. And so they're going from Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time, to Baker Mayfield and or Kyle Trask, like some type of uh, committee like that. Maybe they'll probably both see see uh, action this season. If I was willing to bet on that, I, that's what I'd go with. But I just I don't they're not going to pass as much. They just can't because that's an unsustainable rate. And even Lynn last year, even with Brady, like the team wasn't really that good. They went eight and nine. They only made the playoffs because their division was, was absolutely abysmal. So I think the offense is going to take a step back. They're going to kind of rework things. I see them pounding the ball whenever they're able to in the, with the run. Um, maybe they, they stick in some of these some of these games so they're able to run it because the division is so bad that no one's really kind of taking that NFC South by the stranglehold. So I actually think he's slightly overvalued at that at that spot, but he's a good talent. I like the player a lot. No, I would like him a lot more if he got traded to a little bit more of a high-profile offense. So maybe that's in the future. Maybe it's not. But at 27, you're not panicking on him. If you own him, I would just kind of wait on him and, and see. So those are my thoughts on on Godwin. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I think that's – it's good to bring up both sides because it shows that, you know, I, I think a lot of rankings just has them all over the place. But, you know, a lot of times, like I said, I, I like to go with talent. And when, when I say pass happy, I, I want to say, like, He's going to be involved offense no matter what, what, right? So if they're not a good team, they're going to be coming from behind. They're going to still be getting him involved. Mike Evans, you know, with some of those uh, lesser talented quarterbacks, Mike Evans actually might see the drop because, you know, you, you kind of see, um, you know, kind of the lower profile quarterbacks struggle with the the deep threat wide receivers where you need like binkies like we, we like to call them. So I think Godwin is kind of safe from a, you know, a lesser quarterback standpoint. And if they upgrade uh, in the future, he's, he's just going to keep getting better too. So that that's just my thoughts with it. Okay. And, and it was Devonta Smith. That was your next player. No, no, no. I just wanted to bring up two players that were ahead of Chris Godwin and, and who I, who I'd actually like um, more. Gotcha. So just, just stopping with Godwin. I got two more uh, people, but uh, I'll, I'll let you go next. Cool. I'll toss my last um, overvalued player out here, and that's uh, Jahan Dotson is uh, number sixty overall on the list, WR twenty nine. And this is a guy, another guy that actually I do I do like the player. I have some exposure to him in Dynasty, and I want him to succeed. I just you know I just look around at the situation here where the price is just too high here, and and this is the end of round five of a startup. And you know to quote the uh, <laughs> the Happy Gilmore movie, you know the the price is wrong, Bobby. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just it's not just not quite what we're looking for here. You know, I think a, looking at our, the guys around him, sort of the exercise you just did. You know, George Pickens is in there, Hollywood Brown, Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk, Amari Cooper. All those guys are right around Dotson, either a little bit for him or a little bit afterward. I would rather have all those guys in a second before I go ahead and take Jahan Dotson, who didn't really show very much in his rookie season. And you know, I I know he has the first round capital associated with them. You know, they made that investment. In him last season, the the uh, commanders did. 
you know, he's the clear cut number two on that team, but the quarterback situation is a mess. They're looking at possibly Sam Howell in there or Jacoby Brissett. Like neither one of those guys inspire a ton of confidence, at least from you know distributing the football. You know, maybe Howell can run around. We'll see. Um, but the, I think that regime as well is, is could be on the brink of getting fired. Like Ron Rivera is has been five hundred or worse in nine of his twelve seasons as a head coach. He hasn't won a playoff game in seven years, and he's yet to finish above five hundred in his first three seasons in Washington. So one more bad year. He could easily find himself out of a job, and quite frankly, he probably should. Like I think the I think slowly people are coming to the coming to the realization that that he's living off of that one really good season in twenty fifteen that didn't even result in the championship, but that's a whole other story. You know, I just think it's not good for Dotson, especially if uh, the regime gets gassed. Where when that happens, the the draft capital invested in, in the players that were selected by the old regime that kind of goes by the wayside a little bit. And so that's not good for Dotson, particularly where he hasn't produced yet. So again, like the player, I want him to do well, but I think the price is just too high. Would you agree on that? Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that with Dotson, um, especially because they got another talented uh, wide receiver on the same team that they just re-signed, right? So he's he's definitely going to be the number two over there. Um, you know, when it comes contract time, uh, you know, you, you never know if he, he might not sign that big next contract and be that number one possibly ever because, you know, is McLaren going to keep outshining him, right? So is he going to be a number two on the depth chart for his entire career? Um, possibly, right? So you got to watch watch out for that, especially to your points with the quarterback play that might keep him there. Now, they have an elite quarterback, uh, running that team, you know, I, I think my my opinion could could change. But uh, like you said, they could be in a rut, could be in some coaching changes, uh, lower quarterback play. I think those are all the formulas that I would uh, I would agree with you on that with Dotson. I wanted I wanted um, shoot the moon with them. <laughs> yeah, looking at him, I don't see alpha wide receiver in this profile either. You know, I think he's he is better suited off to be a number two receiver, which is perfectly fine for fantasy, but particularly you want. WR2s on high scoring offenses. Guys like you know T. Higgins come to mind. Robert Woods when he was with the 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 the, the Rams from a couple of years ago. These guys that are going to be productive because the offense is going to be throwing the ball a lot. They're going to be scoring touchdowns. The Commanders are one of the worst offenses in the league, so I, I, it's a little bit less attractive of a situation to me there. So I'm rooting for the player. I think he's really good at Penn State. Um, I think I see him having a better season. Hopefully, he can stay healthy this year than he kind of building up from his rookie year. I just think I see a lot of different avenues that his career could go. And I think more of them are probably, probably, uh, you know, bad things versus, uh, versus on the, on the way up there for Dawson. So that's where I'm at on him. You know, who's the next player you wanted to dive into? All right. All right. So next guy, I'm, I'm going to switch over to running back now. And like, a, uh, and once again, I'm looking, I'm, I, I pretty much did the same strategy. I looked at that range. Uh, I wanted to see, all right, if, if these dynasty pros are confused, I want to I want to kind of um, give my own opinion here too, right? So, um, like I said, filtering the running back uh, position in order, um, the nineteenth rank uh, running back here, his best position was twelve, and his worst was thirty two. All right, um, and that's Damian Pierce. All right, I think he's actually another one that's undervalued. Um, I think Pierce showed that he was he literally ran like a stud last year on a on a horrible team. So, um, you know, I like the fact that Houston is getting younger. Um, you know, he's going to be on on year two. Um, I, I like like I said, I like how he runs. I think he, he's proven he's going to be the starter over there. They don't need to invest in another running back. Um, 
So I really like Damian Pierce uh, to kind of invest in for the next couple of years. Um, I think he, I don't, I don't think, I think Houston has enough problems. They're not going to reinvest in running back again. Right. So I like Pierce. I definitely think he's higher than 19 as far as uh, dynasty value goes. Um, so, you know, I wrote down some more guys, so I would actually, so these are straight up trades. I would, I would actually uh, trade Dalvin Cook for a guy like uh, Damian Pierce in a, in a dynasty world. I know I'm a Cook fan. I have Cook in leagues. But, um, yeah, if you're trying to rebuild dynasty perspective, I like Pierce over Cook. I like Pierce over uh, Mixon, too. So these are guys that are still over um, uh, over Pierce. So I actually went – I think Damian Pierce is undervalued here. He's another guy that just I, – I think people are not – you know, they're just all over the place with ranking him. Like I said, I don't think he's the 32, the 32nd best running back in the league. So I think that's way off. So um, he's one I wanted to highlight uh, for my next player. So he's a guy who scares the crap out of me in Dynasty, to be 100% honest with you. Um, he is overall um, on the list here. He comes out to 56 overall. So that's a sixth round or end of the fifth round, rather, uh, pick in the startup. So that... In that area, I don't think I'd be super, super into grabbing a share of Damian Pierce in that range. Just a couple of quick things on him. You know, he missed the last four games of the year due to, due to an injury. And in the four games prior to that, only once did he have a yards per carry of over three and a half yards. So like, he kind of faded down the stretch of the season, which we do see sometimes with rookies. You know, they get off to a hot start and then maybe they kind of fade out. And obviously the NFL season is a lot longer than the college season is. So those, it's kind of an adjustment. And if you remember with Damian Pierce from college, like he was grossly underutilized at Florida. So he never really had any big seasons where he was carrying the ball a ton. So it's, I guess it's not too shocking that he kind of wore down towards the end of the season, but you know, he was a kind of a guy that we people liked him in Houston because there wasn't much on that depth chart. It was like the Rex Burkheads of the world um, you know, filling in down there and, so they did add Devin Singletary in free agency. I've never been the biggest Singletary guy in the world, so I won't act like I have been. So, um, you know, I do think he's a capable running back who is better than anything Pierce has faced in terms of competition. Um, I like Pierce at the moment. Uh, right now, I would take him over Singletary, certainly, uh, straight up. I would just worry if I'm in a startup right now that if Houston does in the next year or two devote, uh, you know, even a second-round pick to a running back, then, you know, Pierce's value – goes down a lot right away if they uh, make a high profile investment either in the draft or in free agency. So a lot of different avenues he could go um, at the end of the day, it's probably not going to be a very high scoring offense, but the good news is for Damian Pierce, they, they are going into the Shanahan tree um, to kind of rebuild their team. So maybe if they kind of bring that run system over, it's a big part of what they want to do. So there's a number of ways it could go with Pierce. I'm a little bit lower than you on him, but we'll see how that one shakes out. For my uh, next player, I'm going to stick with the running back position as well. And I'm going undervalued here with this one. I'm going to go Cam Akers, 67th overall. That's RB23. And give me if this is where I can take Cam Akers, uh, give me shares all day long in round six, right in the middle of round six of uh, of drafts. So, you know, the start of the 22 season obviously was pretty rough. No doubt about that. But if you look at towards the end of the year, between weeks 13 and 18, he saw at least a 72% snap rate in each of those games. And in that span, he averaged 19 touches and over a hundred yards per game. You know, it finishes RB six overall in that time frame. So if you had acres, if you remember at the end of the year, maybe a redraft if someone cut him, you kind of were able to pick him up and you, you use a plug and play WR one, sorry, RB one rather down the stretch <laughs> of the season. So like 
just found gold there on, on the on the waiver wire, and he's still sticking with the same team. You know, Matthew Matthew Stafford will be healthy. Cooper Cup will be back on the field, drawing attention from defenses. He'll be a little bit older too, so maybe they shift a little bit more of the burden towards the run. You know, Akers himself is just 24 years old, and he's in a contract year too, so he's got plenty of tread left on the tires. He's two years removed now from that brutal injury that he suffered prior to the start of the 2021 season. And, you know, the difference between him and a guy like DeAndre Swift is where Akers had that one really bad bad injury that he's been fighting back from, whereas a guy like Swift breaks down over time. So, you know, Akers has really just dealt with that one that one injury. So I'm still high on the guy. I was big on him last year. I was felt like I was a little bit too stupid on him maybe, but two years coming off that Achilles injury, I think it's going to be wheels up for Akers and what's going to be a better Rams offense in 2023 than we saw a season ago. Yeah, Akers, I almost called out. I almost picked pick the same guy um, to be undervalued as well. Um, but I didn't because he does scare me in some, you know, in some aspects. Um, I think we have seen, you know, he's got all the talent, um, you know, that you'd, you'd like to see, you know, with flashes that that he's had and, and showed over the past couple of years. Um, you know, the injury does show that, uh, you know, he he's he's back from injury. I don't I, I want to call him injury prone. At this point, I think now it's more just your worry is um, what's the rest, you know, like what's the next step look like for him? So are the Rams going to compete next year? I do think their their offense has to get better. You know, they'll probably have a healthier Stafford. Cup will be back. You know, their, their offense has got to be better next season than it was. It was atrocious, right? And McVay is coming back. So, you know, they got a couple of good things coming back um, this, this upcoming season. But, you know, for me, I – I don't know about you, but uh, I never really heard the full details over what happened last year necessarily with, with Akers. Like, I think, you, you know, he's probably like re- requesting a trade. And, you know, I, I think it was pretty much sound like it was like a done deal. Like he's going to be off the team and they just weren't going to be starting him. And then all of a sudden, they're, I think McVeigh was like, ah, screw it. You know, we're out of playoff race. Let's just let's just play him. You know, why? why you know, why not? So um, but. That was turned out to be a good decision because uh, I think he proved that he's got what it takes to be a starter. Um, but it it is it makes it interesting to see. Okay, well, what happens this year? Like you said, on a contract year, is another team gonna take a chance on him? You know, if he got a super, you know, a team that just won the Super Bowl that's hesitant to to start their starting running back, is another team going to you know take that chance on the guy? So from a dynasty value. Um, I'm somewhat, uh, scared of him. Uh, I'm almost, you know, kind of with your take a couple guys ago, he said may- maybe redraft, he's kind of sneaky redraft best ball area. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of scared of him from a, from a dynasty standpoint. Well, I have all the dynasty shares I could find of Cam Akers, uh, <laughs> at the moment. So I'm very, uh, I'm very invested in a bounce back. And I think we get it this year. And I'll go I'll go to my next guy, who's another guy I have a lot of exposure to. That's Deshaun Watson, who's uh, 80th overall, QB9. And I get it's, it's really hard to crack the top six QO quarterbacks or so, so it's not like he has a ton of room for growth here. So I understand that. But my issue here is really that he's going around seven, 80th overall. And the reason I say that is even in one QB formats, when we're talking dynasty, I really do value having an elite-level quarterback, someone who can make a difference for you you know, in your lineup and give you an edge over some of your opponents. You know, it used to be like you could wait in fantasy on a quarterback in one QB leagues, and you could kind of still get away with that in redraft somewhat. But, you know, in Dynasty, like, I, I'm more than willing to make that one-time investment 
in a stud quarterback because they play so damn long where if you make that investment, then you get to reap the rewards for literally a decade. So, you know, between 2018, 2020, we saw Watson finish QB five overall in every single season. Those were his first uh, three full seasons as a starter. And since then, you know, he obviously, we know that he's been, uh, he has not been injured, but he has had his off the field problems that have uh, lingered very, very high profile. Those allegations are disgusting as well. Um, Really nothing, nothing good coming out of that situation, but you know, he's not injured. So there's no reason he can't produce now that he's actually back on the field. And I know he didn't look like his former self in 2022, but I don't know what people realistically expected him to look like after he didn't play at all in 2021. He was suspended for 11 weeks in 2022. That suspension came down really late in the season. So the team was kind of stuck with their current offense and building it around Brissett for the 2022 season. So he didn't get back in the building until week 13 of last season. So it was always going to be a short-term struggle. I thought that was very predictable the way he looked last season. And they just added Elijah Moore. We know Cooper's a, a stud receiver in this league. And Joe Goose is a solid tight end. And uh, they have a couple other good ancillary pieces in Peoples Jones and David Bell hanging around too. So I think that if there's still a buy window open on Watson in your leagues, I think now's the time to pounce on it. You know, he might still have some radiation on him from all the off-season stuff or off-the-field stuff rather that – that he was involved in. So if you can scoop up some value at the last minute here, um, I'd say go for it on Deshaun Watson. I think you're going to reap your rewards later. Yeah. You know, actually another guy I agree. I, I agree with, um, I think seventh round and a dynasty startup is a, is a steal with Watson. And I think you can load up with some other nice dynasty pieces. And if you can grab them in the sixth or seventh round, um, I think that's a steal. Like you said, I think he can, he can uh, crack, um, you know, in that top 10, like you said, nine, I think he can beat nine as well, given, uh, you know, uh, given the, the season, you know, I think some of those top guys can bounce around a little bit, but um, I agree with you. I think they, um, you know, they just added another asset with more. Njoku keeps getting better uh, each season and they got Cooper, right? So uh, I totally agree with you, right? And Another thing is uh the Ravens uh I feel like keep getting they they, they I think they took a step back uh this offseason, right? If they can't figure out Lamar's situation, you know, that's two more games that, you know, can they kind of move up in that division and you know that 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 kind of matters too, right? Can you get some more wins, um, boost confidence and you know, kind of pad your stats a little bit on on a couple extra weeks. So I agree with you on Watson. Um, my next guy is also a quarterback, and this is I'm going to switch over to overrated here. And um, I'm thinking you're going to be a fan of this one because I think you think you have took shots with this guy here, here and there. You haven't, you know, you haven't went on a soapbox yet, but um, I may, I may help start that with you. <laughs> um, so I went with the guy that's number 14 dynasty quarterback in quarterback rankings. Another one where best, you know, best is 13, worst is 19. This one where I didn't really look at the range is so much where it's just sticking out like a sore thumb to me. Um, and that's Trey Lance. I think, you know, taking, <laughs> you know, taking a risk with Lance, you know, given what we've seen over the, uh, you know, last couple, well, actually just with, uh, with Purdy taking over alone uh, is, is a huge risk. Right. Um, but, you know, I think you mentioned it before. He's just kind of altogether, just an un- unproven guy, you know, not a lot of um, reps, uh, in, in college, a quarterback, you know, didn't really go to high profile school, hasn't really like faced adversity that we, you know, with that, 
Um, you know, a lot of quarterbacks, uh, you know, now coming with, you know, a couple, couple seasons in, like they, they really need to have, right. Um, you know, Lynch already publicly said that he thinks that Purdy like earned the right, you know, for the other guys to take the job away from him. So that's another reason, um, you know, I'd be running, uh, far away from Lance and here's, you know, just out of the two game sample size, when he started, he was 15 for 31. All right. So that's like. And everything we're kind of alluding to in, in passing, 15 for 31 is 48%, folks. 48% completion rate, rate. And that is, you cannot be successful. You know, maybe if this was like the 70s or something like that, you know, you could get away with it. But anymore, you got to complete passes to move the chains in, in this day and age. And 48% is not going to cut it. Um, the 49ers, they they kind of came under under the radar last year because they – because of how bad um, they kind of started out off the gates where you didn't think they were a playoff team until like, you know, midseason, right? So I think <laughs> Trey Lance was that reason until he got hurt. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think just the unprovenness, um, you know, short sample size, but at the same time, you know, that's enough for me. I, I would just run away. I know all the athleticism is what everybody likes to run to, but um, I would definitely not invest a lot in Trey Lance stock. I'm with you on that. I and and not not only did they recently say that Brock Purdy would if they were you know lining up right now and Purdy was healthy that he'd be the he'd be in line to start. They also said that Sam Darnold, who just got there, is going to be sharing oh, yeah. first uh, first team reps with Trey Lance throughout the offseason. So that's not a good sign either. Um, you know, Trey Lance, you said he hasn't gotten on the field much, and you're right. You know, he uh, we had a, a fun Twitter post about this. So he had actually only thrown the ball. 420 times in a game since high school. Like, and that's two years as a pro and three years in college where he's attempted just 420 passes in a game. So now what you want to see, I'm not a big Lance believer. It's a, it's a number 104 overall for those keeping score at home. And uh, I would rather pivot away from that. You get Kirk Cousins a couple of picks later, according to this list. Right. You know, Kirk Cousins, you know, he doesn't have obviously the ceiling that Trey Lance does, but you know, he's, he's just been a steady Eddie for, for fantasy and, he had his best the best season to, I think to date uh, was just last season. So Cousins definitely right. a lot safer than him. Lance is Carr. Of, I'd even take Derek Carr yeah. over Lance. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, yeah the next couple guys. thousand lists are those two exactly. So yeah, I'm not very high on Trey Lance. I know a lot of people that are. I don't have any shares of him, and I'm not in the hurry in a hurry to go get any. So that that scares me. I just think that if he doesn't win the job this year and grab it by the reins, I think he's pretty much cooked just for the reasons we mentioned, like it's, it's all good to like sit and develop and learn and, and watch the game and all that. But sometimes you, to get better at football, eventually you actually have to play football in order to do so. So the injury set him right. back. They benched him the first year because he wasn't ready. You know, he's from a small school in North Dakota. I'm just kind of all set on Trey Lance. Um, if I had him, I'd be moving him for just about any first round pick in a super flex league too. I just kind of to try to re-roll if I could at, at quarterback, but yeah, not overly high on him. Another late guy here that I am high on, I see him as being an undervalued. This is the last player on my list here is Alexander Madison, 124th overall, RB42. So, you know, we're getting into the 10th, 11th round here of drafts where you can grab this guy. So, you know, he's basically free in this range. At this point, you probably drafted most of your starting your starting spots if you're in normal-sized leagues. So now you're just kind of hammering home bench depth, especially in 12-team formats. So, Dalvin Cook – is uh, I know you've liked him. It's been a fun ride with him, but he's kind of rumored to be on the way out there. He's on a big contract and he has an injury history. The Vikings are actually still over the cap. They're, I think they're the only team 
that are over the cap at the moment. So they need to do something to figure out that situation, whether it's cutting Cook or someone else, uh, extending some players, who knows. But you know, when, when Madison has gotten the opportunity to take the reins in Cook's absence, another injury-prone guy, then you know he's shown to be kind of a plug-and-play RB1. At just 25 years old, he's not that old. But more importantly is the career touch total here. They're incredibly low for a guy who's played four years in the league. He has just 474 total touches in his four years in the league thus far. So plenty of tread left on the tires for Madison. And they re-signed on a two-year deal. So worst case here, you know, he's going to be in the mix for more playing time, even if Cook's, Cook sticks around. You know, Cook is going to be 28 this year. So we've seen him be banged up in the past. You know, Madison could just be that guy that kind of lays in the weeds and the guy that everyone crushes in their in their uh, daily lineups when we get word on Thursday that Cook's not going to play and the values are already out on the, on everyone else. Um, you know, but it's good to have these guys on your roster already in dynasty because you can't just kind of run to the wire and pick, pick them up. And uh, you know, maybe if cook does stay there and he goes down again, maybe you can move him in season to the, the cook manager if he gets desperate. So keep in mind, uh, you know, Madison here is his show ball in the past. And I think he can do so. And uh, right. If he's in line to start, if cook moves on, or even if he's kind of taking on a little more of a workload and what's a high scoring offense in Minnesota. Yeah, it's funny. Madison was almost like the cheat code in, in our DFS lineups, right? So if you once you heard that Cook was out, it was like automatically you throw Madison in for like between that four to six thousand range. And it's like, like I said, just a just a cheat code because this is literally just like getting Cook, but uh but for a cheaper value. So um yeah, I think Madison's shown he can be a starter. Um was well, it is interesting. They just kind of re-signed him over in Minnesota. So, like you said, does that mean um, they are going to, you know, trade Cook, like you said. Uh, you know, I've read the same rumors, um, you know, possibly train him over to Miami or something like that. But we'll, we'll definitely see. Um, yeah, I think Madison's a good enough talent where, um, you know, it's interesting drafting him, you know, in, in startups, you know, like if you can steal him later on, you know, he's he's good enough talent that he's he's – He's bound to start sometime, right? If this is the year with that trade, it's a great time to nab him in the in the later rounds. So um I don't, you know, I think I think he's got the talent. And, and especially being in Minnesota, if he takes over that number one, like I said, it's literally it's almost almost just like getting uh having having uh Davin Cook, right? So I don't think he's quite as good as Cook, uh, but he's shown that um, you know, he, he can definitely put up put up value. So I agree with Madison, especially if he can nab him under the radar. And, you know, it's like a broken record. Obviously, if you have Cook, it's just like it's it's even, you know, nicer to have both of them because you might end up with two starting running backs. Even if you have even if Cook stays best handcuff in the league, I think uh, still hands down. I can tell you that Cook managers in my redraft leagues have not liked me very much because I I have gobbled up shares of Alexander Madison just about every year in redraft. Um, you know, around around or so early, based based on his ADP at the time, because you know Cook gets hurt. That's what he does. He gets banged up, and then Madison's that smash play. And like, if I look at the guys I've had like percentage ownership ownership of over the last three years, call it like he's probably among the top guys, just because he's such a good value later in drafts where you kind of just stash him on your team. You know when to play him. You know when not to play him, which is honestly better than some some of these guys where you're just kind of like praying that you toss in your lineup and they give you a touchdown. But you don't right. you're not you don't think it's gonna happen, but you're kind of like, oh, I don't have any other choice, so we'll see. At least with Madison in the past, you've known like when you can play him and when you can't. And at this stage of his career, you know, maybe he takes on more workload because he hasn't he hasn't taken much thus far. 
And if you told me that by the end of the year that we're looking at Madison as being better than what's left of Dalvin Cook, then I would not be shocked at all if if that's the case. But obviously right now, Cook's the man there. We'll see how it turns out. But in the 11th round here, I think it's just good. It's really good value. Too good to pass up for me on Alexander Madison. Um, that wraps up all the players that uh, we have listed here to talk about tonight. Did you have anything you wanted to throw out to the listeners before we sign off here, Mr. Brown? Uh, no, I mean, I guess I, I, well, you know what, maybe, maybe happy trading. Right. So I, I think this is kind of a, um, a dull period. You can kind of, you know, I think if you've been listening with some last couple episodes, I think this is a time of year where if you can land a trade where you, you, you know, you get a little sneaky trade, it actually may be, um, you know, the best trade you might make all all year right so this is the time of year where you can just um i I think sneak away with some nice value trades uh sometimes they're gambles and it can be the worst trade of the year too but it's still fun to trade this time um that's all i gotta say about that (laughs) yep do not be completely risk averse in dynasty that's uh it's a boring way to live you know live a little bit remember we're here to have fun first you know it's uh we all got start we all started loving football because it was an enjoyable experience for us Fantasy should be the same way. Yes, there's more riding on it in Dynasty because you have the long-term implications of every every decision that you make, but don't stress about it too much here. Have a little bit of fun. Take a little bit of risk once in a while, too, in Dynasty if you're really buttoned up. You know, just let it hang out a little bit and enjoy the process. Enjoy the ride. Okay, we're here. Mandatory fun, everybody. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Wise words as we sign off here. We'll end it as we always do here, folks. Peace.